Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. You open your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 29 today. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Again, if you need an outline, they're back there on the back tables. Everyone wants an outline. Right. <laughs> 1 Chronicles 29. If you turn on the, the news and look through the cable channels, several channels most of the day are dedicated completely to finances, investing, planning your finances, managing your finances, in different kinds of investment strategies. I read recently as uh, they kind of look at ways to improve financial investments, they've come up with what the investors are calling vice funds. And those are the funds that are focused on things that most people would consider socially irresponsible. Investing in alcohol, tobacco, gambling, and, and actually military action. Those are all included in vice funds. What they say is during economic downturns, people are more likely to get involved in those things. Therefore, if you want to make money, invest in those things. Crazy. We're going to talk about God's investment strategy in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And how can we invest in something that's going to have a genuine payoff? Guaranteed. 1 Chronicles 29. This is the story of David commissioning his son Solomon to build the temple for the glory of God. In chapter 28, he tells Solomon, this is going to be your task. And he shares with him that God has laid that on his heart and he's communicating that he's being obedient to God. So verse 20, chapter 29. Then King David said to all the assembly, my son Solomon, God has chosen him alone, is young and inexperienced. The task is great, for the temple will not be for man, but for the Lord. So to the best of my ability, I have made provision for the house of my God, gold for the gold articles, silver for the silver, Bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, wood for the wood, as well as onyx, stones for mounting, antimony, stones of various colors, all kinds of precious stones, and a great quantity of marble. Verse 3, moreover, because of my delight in the house of my God, oh, I like that phrase, because of my delight in the house of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver to the house of my God over and above all that I provided for the holy house. He begins to describe those, the details of those gifts. A hundred tons of gold, gold of Ophir, 250 tons of refined silver for overlaying the walls of the buildings, the gold for the gold work, the silver for the silver, for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, who will volunteer to consecrate himself to the Lord today? Verse 6. Then the leaders of the households, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and of hundreds, the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. For the service of God's house, they gave 185 tons of gold, 10,000 gold drachmas, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, 4,000 tons of iron. Whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the Lord's house under the care of Jehiel the Gershonite. 
Then the people rejoiced because of their leaders' willingness to give, for they had given to the Lord with a whole heart. King David also rejoiced greatly. Verse 10. Listen to David's prayer. Then David praised the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, May you be praised, Lord God and Father of Israel, from eternity to eternity. For yours, for yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the splendor and the majesty. For everything in the heavens and on earth belongs to you. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Riches and honor come from you. And you are the ruler of everything. In your hand are power and might. And it is in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. Now, therefore, our God, we give you thanks and praise for your glorious name. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? For everything comes from you. And we've given you only what comes from your own hand. For we are foreigners and sojourners in your presence as we are all, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord our God, all this wealth we've provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand. Everything belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart that you are pleased with uprightness. I have willingly given all these things with an upright heart. And now I've seen your people who are present here give joyfully and willingly to you. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our ancestors, keep this desire forever in the thoughts of the hearts of your people and confirm their hearts toward you. Give my son Solomon a whole heart to keep and to carry out all your commandments, your decrees, your statutes, and build a temple for which I have made provision. Look at verse 20, wraps it up. Then David said to the whole assembly, Praise the Lord your God. So the God of our ancestors, the whole assembly praised the Lord, of the God of the ancestors. They bowed down and paid homage to the Lord and King. Wow. So many places in that passage I just wanted to stop and preach. So many phrases that we as the people of God, the church of God, could apply to our own issue of stewardship in the Christian life. We're going to go through them. I've picked seven truths this morning, seven statements or seven uh, principles about stewardship that will help us to understand where our investments need to be. That David is challenging the people as they built the temple, which would be the place where God would meet his people. We're going to talk about us being the kingdom of God, us trying to reach a community for Christ, and God wanting us to invest in that challenge. So we're not talking about building a building with four walls and a roof. We're not talking about investing in that. We're talking about investing in the cause of Christ, which is where the payoff comes. Number one, first truth from this passage, the giving started with God. The giving started with God. It's, it was started by God. It began with God. God was the one who initiated this. Look at verse 1 in chapter 29. The task is great, for the temple will not be for man but for the Lord. God himself gave the people of God a God-sized task, task and said, now go accomplish it. The need was great. God started it. God put it in the hearts of the people to do that. Whenever God wants to do something that he gets the glory for, it's going to be a God-sized task. 
He's going to call a congregation like this to build a building like this debt-free. That's a God-sized task. He's going to call a congregation like this to be actively involved in reaching our community for Christ. That's a God-sized task. You know, the people who are, are out there in our community who are not connected with anybody at all, they, most of them are not looking for a way to connect with the church. Most of them are not looking for God. They're looking to, to meet the void in their life, but they're not looking for God, most of them. That's a God-sized task for us to say, God, we're available, we're willing, we're going to be a part of what it takes to take the gospel to those people. We've ad adopted the Acts 1-8 challenge, which says from Acts 1-8, we're going to reach our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Our Jerusalem is Rockport, Texas. I, I want to brag on this church. We, we are so, uh, have been so effective at responding to the call of God to reach our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. The ends of the earth recently, our, our, our congregation responding in the challenge that we needed more money for our international missions. This congregation gave over $11,000 this year. Praise God for that. We didn't set a goal, so we've decided on our mission team, we're not gonna set goals anymore. We're just gonna say whatever God wants to do. Isn't that great? We're reaching the ends of the earth, but what about Rockport? That's part of it. It's a God-sized task. It's been started by God. Someone said the building of his church is an invitation from God to discover that only he can provide. We say the building of his church, again, we're not talking about four walls and a roof. We're talking about the kingdom of God. It's started by God. He places the need to reach the world for Christ on our hearts. We have to respond. Number two, the second truth, giving spreads like wildfire. It started with God. It began with him, but it should spread like wildfire. Look at verse 2 in chapter 29. David says, to the best of my ability, I've made provision. He goes on to explain in detail what that provision was. He says in verse 3, I give my personal treasures over and above. And then in the last part of verse 5, David says, now, who will volunteer to consecrate himself to the Lord today? Verse 6 says, then the leaders stepped up and they responded. And then there's a description of what they gave. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, then the people rejoiced because of their willingness and they gave. You see how it spreads? When God puts in the heart of, of his people to respond in obedience, to take the great commission, the gospel, to the ends of the earth, it should spread like wildfire. It should be contagious. It's a chain reaction. It's interesting that David was, it, 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 as you read this passage, whenever you read details in scripture, do you, like me, say, I wonder why they're giving us so much detail? Do I really care how many drachmas David gave? Is it important to me how many tons of silver? Well, it really isn't, but you know what's important? It's important that David was specific with his people about what he had given. He said to them, I just want you to know, as leader, I've stepped up to the plate, and this is what I've done. That's why he was specific there. And the people said, wow, David gave. We can give. David gave, I like what the passage says, over and above what he had initially given. It spreads like wildfire. It should be contagious. Paul said in Philippians 4, do what you've learned and received and heard in me. Do what I've done. In 1 Corinthians, he said, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. God, God calls leaders to respond to the call to give to missions, to give to ministry. And he challenges us to step up and say to the people, God's called us to give. And like David did, will you give too? It should spread like wildfire. 
If you're a leader at Coastal Oaks Church, it is a, it is a given. It, it should be a, a no-brainer that to step up and whatever you would define leader as, I'm not going to define it for you, okay? If you're a leader at Coastal Oaks Church, the mandate is that we lead in giving and stewardship. If you're a leader in Coastal Oaks Church and you're not tithing, by the way, we use the term tithe not just to refer to 10%. Many of you were raised that way. That's the bare minimum. That's the basic. That's the starting point for a believer. We move beyond that. We move into the area of grace giving, and we move beyond the 10%. But we talk about tithe as that percentage part that even moves beyond the 10%. If you're a leader in this ministry and you're not tithing, I can't, I can't fathom that. I was just thinking through this this week. You've got three choices. Number one, you can just keep living that way, which I don't know that God is honored by that. Number two, you could honestly step down from leadership. Or number three, you could just step up and say, I'm going to be the leader God's called me to be. I'm going to be a steward. I'm going to understand. Did you notice how many times in this passage David said, God, it all belongs to you? To acknowledge that? To say, God, it's not mine, it's yours, and I give to you. It should spread like wildfire. Number three, God is the supplier. I love this truth. God is the supplier. Look at verse 14. He says it several different ways, several different times in this passage, but just to focus on the way he says it in verse 14 in his prayer. Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Let me just pause right there. If you've been at Coastal Oaks any number of years, you could say, who are we that we should be able to give to ministry, to fund missions? How many mission trips have we been on? How many missionaries have we sent? How many volunteer teams have you as a church stepped up to the plate and said, we're going to send them? Who are we that God should let us give that generously? Who are we that God should say, you can build this building debt-free over a million dollars? If you'd have told me that's what it was going to be back seven, ten years ago, I'd have gulped and said, I don't know if we can do it, God. But he's, he's unable to do that. Who are we to be able to do that? That's what David's saying. For everything, back in verse 14, comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your own hand. If we ever get to the point that we brag about what we've given, we've missed the truth of Scripture that everything we have to give comes from God. If I, if I ever get to the point where I say as a pastor, man, our church did a great job, pat myself on the back, wherever, prideful, look what we did, let's publicize how great we are as givers, I've missed it. If I ever get to the point of it as, as an individual where I say, boy, God ought to be happy with what I've given, I need to read that verse again, verse 14. Who am I that God should say, Kevin, I'm going to bless you so much, you're going to be able to give for my glory. Who am I? God's the supplier. What do we sing in that hymn? All I have needed, thy hand has what? Provided. And then you know what the next line is? Great is thy faithfulness. Well, can we get that one? All that I've needed, his hand has provided. All that I can give comes from him. He's a supplier. When I was a kid in a Christmas shop, I've shared this story with y'all. My parents would slip us $10 and we go shop for them. We get so excited about buying them a gift with their money. And they got excited about opening that gift that we bought with their money. That's the way, that's the way stewardship is. God says, hey, believer, hey, Christian, here's some money. Go do something with it that brings me glory. Say, who's God to be able to say that? He's God. He's a supplier. 
I love the story of the little boy in the candy store. The candy store owner felt sorry for the little boy and told his mama, that he, can, he can have it, whatever in that candy jar, he can just pick whatever he wants. The little boy just stood there looking at the jar. And there were several candy jars there, and the, the owner of the store said, he, he can have whatever he wants. Just, just take some. And the little boy just kept looking. Finally, the owner lifted the lid off and scooped a bunch of candy and put it in the boy's hand. And they walked out of the store, and he's looking at all that candy. His mom says, son, why didn't you reach in and get candy? He said, because his hand's bigger than mine is. <laughs> See, God is the supplier. He is the source. Number four. Is that what number one? We send it to God himself. We send it to God himself. Sometimes we'll get a, a letter that hasn't been addressed right and they'll be stamped on their return to sender. But that's, that's Christian stewardship. He gives and everything he gives, your paycheck ought to have stamped on it, return to sender. Because it comes from God. It's his. He's given us this opportunity, this responsibility as Christian believers to say, God, I give this back to you. Now, you need to understand this. We talk about this frequently, but it doesn't hurt to remind us again. You do not give to Coastal Oaks Church. You may give through Coastal Oaks Church, but you're giving to God. I cringe sometimes when little kids come up to me because mom or dad has sent them with their offering to give to the pastor. I'm like, ah. There's an offering box over there. Because I don't want them growing up thinking they're giving me their money. Now, if you want to do that, it's all right. I mean, I'll, I'll stand at the door today and I'll say, God bless you. And, you know, but, uh, we need our kids and we need to understand that when we give, we give it to the Lord. It frees us up. You know, we trust godly leadership to be stewards of that money. We have some folks who are, who are good stewards of that money, who manage money here. But we give it to God. Send it on to him. I think it's so interesting, as I was reading the passage last night, going through it again, uh, that David really had in his heart that he wanted to build the temple. You can tell he did, because just reading this passage, all the stuff he'd stored up. That was his passion. He wanted to build that temple, and God said, David, it's not going to be you, buddy. It's going to be your son. Now, what most of us might have done as well. I'll just take my money somewhere else. I'll just spend that money on myself. Because it's not going the way I want it to down there at the temple. I think things should be done differently, so I'm not given to that cause. That describes a lot of church members. I remember sitting in a, a waiting room in an auto repair place one time when I was in seminary, or about to go to seminary, and I told the man I was sitting there talking to what I was doing. I was about to go to seminary, so he wanted to tell me about his church, and tell me about his pastor, who he didn't like. And then with pride, he said, I've been escrowing my tithe for several years now till they start doing down there what I want them to do. I wish I could talk to that guy today and say, buddy, you're missing the whole point. I tried as best as I could as an almost seminary student. Say, you know, things aren't always going to go the way you want them to down at the church. Things didn't go the way David wanted them to down at the temple. But he willingly gave and gave and gave. Why? Because it was, it was about the kingdom. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about his stuff. When did we get the message that what happens down here is all about us? When did you get that idea? Well, things aren't going the way I want them to go. So I just won't give till they go the way I want them to go. 
I wasn't going to park on that one. Number five, we showcase our faith to a watching world. I love this. We showcase our faith to a watching world. Verse 17, I know, my God, that you test the heart and that you are pleased with uprightness, and I have given willingly all these things with an upright heart. Now I've seen your people who are present here give joyfully and willingly. I love that. Here's what David says. David says, God, when I gave, you got so much glory that people wanted to give you glory too. See, there's a watching world out there. They're waiting. Sagemont Church in Houston, Texas has a mission statement. I love their mission statement. Their mission statement is to provide living proof of a loving God to a watching world. Isn't that good? Can you attach that to your giving, to your stewardship? The reason I give to God and to his work is because I want to provide living proof of a loving God to a watching world. They're watching us. People watch this building go up. It took a while. I think, I think God just arranged it that way so people could talk about that concrete slab for a while. And then those beams that went up and stood there opened the elements for a while. And then as the shells started going up and it just took a while, the community would drive by and see this thing and we could say, God's doing this. It's his, it's his project. It's his ministry. It, it, he's the one doing it. And it showcased our faith and our trust in God to a watching community. As we give to missions, it's to showcase our faith to a watching world. Kevin and Michelle Kennedy are able to say to their community there in Thailand, we're here because the church back home gave. We have a new computer because our VBS kids gave. A watching world. We get to showcase our faith. I'm going to move on. Number six. Giving is a shared event. Giving is a shared event. Verse 20, then David said to the whole assembly, praise the Lord our God. So the whole assembly praised the Lord God of their ancestors. They bowed down and paid homage to the Lord and the king. The whole community got it, and the whole community responded. And I love the fact that the whole community just didn't give. The whole community praised God for the giving. Can you see that? God, what an awesome thing you're doing in us and through us. And we're going to share that. It's a collective thing. It's it's the involvement of the people of God. If we were to go read Acts chapter 2, we would read that passage that says they were all together and had everything in common. And they they met in houses together daily. And that theme of sharing in Acts chapter 2 of the early church describes what the church is. It's to be a collective experience. In most churches... 20% of the people give 80% of the finances. That's the way it happens in most churches. By the way, the statistic is 20% of the people give give, uh, their part. Then there's another 30% that give, and then 50% give nothing. That's the way it is in a lot of places. I thank God for a church where many have learned that that God's the owner and we're just a steward. And we as a body of believers get to share it. Um... I'm looking forward to our next journey offering. One of the things we do at our journey offering is we put a chest up here at the front and people come by and place their offering in the chest. And 
when we first started doing that, we were kind of anxious about, no, we don't want to embarrass anybody. What if somebody's there and they're a visitor and they don't have an offering you're bringing? We got over that real quick. Because God just overwhelmed us with how willingly people came and gave. Kids, people laying car titles, trailer titles in the, in the offering box. It was a shared event. It was a community thing. That's the way giving should be. We shouldn't expect a handful of our people to give all the resources. It should be something we all want to get in on. Then we can all say, like verse 20, yay, God, together. Now, you're probably going to say, yay, God, whenever there's a great mission offering. But isn't it even greater to say, yay, God, when you are part of that great mission offering? You're going to say, yay, God, when, when we finish the journey and we're all sitting in comfortable seats and have new video and lighting. You're going to say, yay, God, but wouldn't it be greater to say, yay, God, if you were part of that? We can say to some of our kids, we're in this building because of you, because of your giving, because of your stewardship. Because I've watched them since they were that little. Some of them are grown up now and married. Man, what happened? To the, when, when, when I'm marrying kids that were little kids, that's when I know I'm getting old. It's a shared event. Number seven, God gets to show off. God gets to show off. I love this. Somewhere, I don't know where Kelly got this, but a while back, it finally clicked with me. She prays when there's a crisis. She prays, God, here's an opportunity for you to show off. I thought, man, I like that. God, here's an opportunity for you to show off. Now you say, well, is that okay for God to show off? You bet. He's God. It's what he did in this passage. He demonstrated to his people that he's the provider and that if they will willingly give, he will work in their life and they'll be able to give him glory and praise. God gets to show off. In verse 10, you, may you be praised, Lord God, of our Father Israel from eternity to eternity. What's the reason for that praise? Because the people were giving. They were supporting the kingdom work. God was showing off. One of the blessings of being a part of a ministry that has built debt-free, that continues to do ministry debt-free, that is involved in missions and evangelism, one of the privileges of pastoring this church is we get to say, God, yay, God, you're showing off again. You're showing this congregation, you're showing this community, you're showing this world that you're a mighty, mighty God. And I think that's a good thing. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was trying to raise money for his orphanage in London. And he had scheduled a, a week or so of meetings in Bristol, England. So he took his uh, entourage to Bristol and he began to preach there, had a great week of meetings, had people respond, and I think they gave around 300 pounds to, his, uh, to the need there to, to support an orphanage in London. And the night that the meetings ended, Spurgeon was praying. And God impressed upon his heart that he wasn't to use that money for his orphanages in London, but he was to give that money to George Mueller and his orphanages in Bristol. So he went that next morning to Mueller's orphanage. And Charles Haddon Spurgeon walked in with that 300 or so pounds, and Mueller was on his knees praying and Spurgeon put his hand on his shoulder and Mueller looked up and and he said George God has impressed upon me that this money that I've collected for our orphanages is to go to your orphanage and Mueller looked up and said 
That's what I was just now praying. That God would supply that 300 pounds, which was a lot of money in those days, to meet a specific need. And you know what the two men did? They wept because God had shown off. If you're not actively involved in the joy of giving, you're missing something incredible in the Christian life. God wants to show off in your life like he's never shown off before. Will you let him? Let's pray together.